turn to 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 4 and read down through verse 16. First John chapter 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, we do ask for your Spirit's direction as we look to the truth of your word. We pray that you would make it personal in each of our lives. And Lord, that um, as a result of gathering here today, our hearts would be drawn closer to you, that In the coming days, fruit would be manifested from our embracing truth. And Lord, we know that when that happens in obedience and by the power of your Spirit, that you will be glorified. And that is ultimately our desire um, today. And so we ask for your wisdom and instruction and look forward to what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah had uh, served his ministry and his successor, Elisha, was um, taking on, picked up literally the mantle of Elijah and was to carry on the work that God had for him. And Elisha said, where 
is the Lord God of Elijah. I think today many people may not be asking verbally, but they're thinking in their mind, where is the Lord God? We read in John chapter 12 and verse 21, the, the Greeks had heard about this Jesus and they came to Andrew and Philip and they said, we would see Jesus. Show us Jesus. Much of the world has heard of Jesus or knows somewhat about him, but are they seeing Jesus? In John 4, the passage we read, it says, No man has seen God. But in the context of what we read, it says, No man has seen God, but they should see the effects of God in our life. Because he that loves God has the Spirit of God abiding in him. And he's talking in this passage, anyone that is born of God knows God. And when you are born of God, the Spirit of God dwells within us, and the Spirit of God then is at work in our lives to produce Christ-like character in our lives. And the Christ-like character in our lives should be manifested so that people literally in looking at our lives, would see the character of Jesus Christ. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? We would see Jesus. Where is Christ in our world today? Sad to say, um, many times the statistics for church-going people, and that is a broad term, but church-going people in regard to marriages and pornography and um, abuse and so on, sad to say, church-going people aren't much different than the world. So the world says, where is this Christ? Is it just receive Jesus Christ, you'll have everlasting life, but... Does it make any difference in a person's life? We have recently been challenged through the series we've been going through on Wednesday night, how people change, that it is a change that begins in the heart. And we receive a new heart when we receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, but it still has the old flesh that is there. And it is imperative that we feed the Spirit and that it grows, but it should become in our life, as we read in verse 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because God, who dwells within us, is greater than he that is in the world. So, This Spirit of God that dwells within us, once we've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, should definitely shape all of our relationships. And this morning we want to deal with showing Christ in our relationships. 
What are some of the, the definite things that would be hallmarks of a Christian in their relationships? As we read in 1 John, God loved us and His love, because He loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time, but they ought to see God living in and through us. Well, that comes through our relationships. When Christ shapes our relationships, that means, number one, I will humbly and clearly ask forgiveness. The Holy Spirit is given to believers to convict us of our sin. So when in our relationships we do something that is not right in our relationship, the Spirit of God convicts us. It is then, what do we do with that conviction? We can ignore it, we can excuse it, we can rationalize it, we can blame others. But when Christ is truly ruling in our heart, we will admit our sin and take personal responsibility for it. I don't blame, I don't excuse, I don't justify. Seeking forgiveness involves honest humility. I was wrong for saying that. I was wrong and to identify the sin. Let me ask you, when was the last time you said, I was wrong for whatever? You know, we, we love to avoid that. We love to, I may have been wrong. I probably didn't do the right thing. We don't like to humbly, personally come in and admit, it it is humbling. I was wrong, and then to identify our sin. That's, That's what forgiveness involves. It involves a humility. It involves an identifying of our sin. I was wrong for my attitude toward you. And then forgiveness involves acknowledging the pain. I was wrong, let's just say, for my attitude toward you. And I am, I am sorry for the pain that I caused you. It is understanding my actions brought grief, brought pain, brought suffering to them. Sin always brings suffering. And it's, it's coming in, and, and it's not just saying, I'm sorry. It, that can mean anything. It's saying, I was wrong in this, and... I know that it caused you pain, and I am asking, will you forgive me? Now, it doesn't have to be in that exact term, but there must be humbly taking personal responsibility and identifying the sin, acknowledging that your sin affected them, 
And it does involve asking, will you forgive me? That is the part of clearing your conscience. If Christ is ruling in our hearts, we will be willing to ask forgiveness. Will you forgive me? That gives people the opportunity to experience the blessing of granting forgiveness. Now, if in your life, in a situation, a relationship with you, in your family, in your work relationship, in your neighborhood, you're brought to a point where you say, I was wrong. Will, will you forgive me? I understand this caused you grief and pain. Will you forgive me? You can't, you can't make them forgive you. Your responsibility is to try to make things right. Take the high road. And you might, in your mind, think, I am only 10% contributing to this problem but I'm 100% responsible for my 10%. And then you ask forgiveness, and you can't make them, you leave it. Then the ball is in their court. That's between them and God, what they do with it. But I want you to stop and think about it. If Christ is ruling in our hearts, the Spirit of God is in us, We will be willing to ask forgiveness. Let me ask, when is the last time you asked God personally for forgiveness of sin in your life? Where you personally said, God, I am sorry, I have sinned against you. And then let me ask you, when is the last time that you ever asked anyone else for forgiveness? If you say... Um, I've, I've never sinned involving anybody else. You are either an angel visiting us from celestial places, or you live in a box and never associate with anyone. Because when you are involved with other people, we sin. And... If you're married and have a family, there are many, many opportunities for us to identify, I was wrong, my attitude, my words, my whatever it is, and, and I realize that caused you pain, and I'm asking you, will you forgive me? A person that is allowing Christ to rule in his heart, it will come out. People will see it in our relationships. In number one, we're humbly and clearly asking for forgiveness. Secondly, right along the same line, I am willing and able to forgive. We are willing... And able to forgive. On a New Year's Eve at London's Garrick Club, 
British dramatist Frederick Lonsdale was asked by Seymour Hicks to reconcile with a fellow member. The two had quarreled in the past and never restored their friendships and and the one was saying, you must, you must go to him. It's very unkind to be friendly, especially at this time, the uh, New Year's Eve, getting things started right in the New Year. Go over now and wish him a happy New Year. So Lonsdale crossed the room and spoke to his enemy. I wish you a happy New Year, but only one. He didn't get this aspect of forgiveness, did he? Continually holding the bitterness there. When Christ is ruling in our hearts, we are willing to forgive. It is realizing that we don't take the offense personally. Why? Because Christ is ruling in our heart. We are dead to sin. It's not about me. It's not, oh, you offended me. We're not easily offended because life is no longer about us. It's about Christ. And it's about His reputation. That's why the psalmist said, Great peace have they which love thy law And nothing shall offend them. It's not about our offense. It's about offending God. But it's also in this sense, 1 Peter 4 and verse 18, love covers a multitude of sins that we are willing to forgive because I love God and I love you and Christ is ruling in my heart and I am, and maybe we should say, I am learning to love you because It is a learning process that we grow in and that we are committed to. And because my model of forgiveness is Jesus Christ, I am willing to forgive you. Because he was willing to forgive all my sin, I am now willing to forgive you. No one will ever sin against you or me to the extent that we have sinned against God. And the greatest offense that can come in our life should be a reminder to us of how much God has forgiven us. And we should say, God, by your grace, you have forgiven me. Now, by your grace, give me the power to forgive this one as you are my model. I am willing to forgive I am willing to not count your offense against you. I want our relationship to be restored. The bitternesses, the unforgiveness that, that we cling to, we, we carry these bitternesses in our, in our heart and mind as, as this load, and, and we've never given them to God. And we may say, well, they haven't come and asked me for forgiveness. So that means you're going to carry this weight wherever you go until they come and ask you for forgiveness. Or you can say, God, I am giving this to you. I am trusting you 
to work in their lives. I am not going to carry this bitterness. I am not going to carry this um, unforgiving spirit because I cannot glorify you with this. And I am going to die to self and magnify you. And I give you that offense. I'm trusting you to deal with it. Think about the oyster. It takes a grain of sand that enters into it, and it surrounds that grain of sand with secretion that turns it into a beautiful pearl. Too often, we're the exact opposite. We take a beautiful pearl and turn it into grains of sand. You cannot live this world without irritations coming in. But what do you do with those irritations? Do you take, with Christ ruling in our heart, do you take the grace of God and turn that irritation into the glory of God by saying, God, I am giving that to you. I am going to rise above this. I am not going to carry this offense. I am not going to carry this burden, and I give it to you. Let me ask you this morning, what bitterness, what unforgiveness are you still clinging to? It may be something that happened in your childhood that definitely was not right. But is that still ruling in your heart today? Are you willing to give that to God And say, God, I am trusting you to deal with it and to give me the grace. What bitternesses, what unforgiveness, what injustices are you clinging to today? If Christ is really ruling in our heart, it will be manifested in, number one, we will seek forgiveness. Number two, we will be willing and able to forgive by God's grace. Number three, if Christ is really ruling in my heart, in my relationships with others, I respond to the sins and weaknesses of others with grace. I don't immediately accuse or blame or think evil of them. I willingly give them the benefit of the doubt. I I bear long with their weaknesses. Why, we all have weaknesses. And God has so graciously been forbearing with me, and God has so graciously poured out His mercy to me, I will show mercy to them. Mercy means I will treat them better than they deserve. We decry an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But often we treat people, they don't deserve me to be kind to them. They weren't kind to me, so I'm not going to be kind to them. No, mercy is treating them better than they deserve. That's how Christ has dealt with us. And who should be filled with mercy more than a follower of Jesus Christ? Who should be filled with a a spirit of grace that lifts up and, and dusts off and helps them on their way? 
It's an aspect of treating them. How would I want to be treated? How do I want God to treat me? And thankfully, how merciful God is. If it weren't for His mercies, every one of us would have been consumed already. Great is His faithfulness. We respond to the sins and weaknesses of others with grace. Do we immediately come to judgment about their character and and negative thoughts and attitudes about them because of an action they've done or words they've spoken. What if God dealt with us this next week like we have dealt with others this past week? How would things be in our lives? Do you understand it's natural to accuse? It's natural to think evil, but... The world needs to see Jesus Christ. They need to see, wow, whoever is ruling their life is is making some drastic changes. That is not normal behavior. That is not um, how a normal human being responds. And honestly, we don't want to be normal. I'm not saying we just want to be weird. We want to be godly, and that's not normal. It's not normal to seek forgiveness. It's not normal to grant forgiveness. It's not normal to be gracious and merciful in our dealings. The willingness to show mercy. The willingness to bear long. The willingness to to hold out hope for them and lift them up and encourage them. So if Christ is ruling in my heart, I humbly and clearly ask for forgiveness. I willingly grant forgiveness. I respond to the sin and weakness of others with grace. And number four, I serve others out of a heart of compassion, gentleness, forbearance, kindness, and love. Really, the last part of number four is really number three. But the first part of number four is, I serve others out of a heart of compassion, gentleness, forbearance, kindness, and love. It is going out of our way to serve others. If Christ is ruling in my heart, it's not just me and mine. It is, okay, I don't really necessarily want to be involved in other people's life, but I'm not living by my agenda anymore. I'm living by Christ. So, that means that I go and I get involved in other people's lives And in doing it, there may be instances of being involved in other people's lives that they don't treat me the way I want. So I don't recoil and I don't say, that's enough of that. I'm not serving anymore. I'll come, do my own thing, keep my nose clean, you keep your nose clean, and we're good with that. No. 
What if Jesus Christ had had that attitude? We would yet be in our sin. And it is with forbearance and gentleness and compassion and kindness that we keep serving. The closer we get to people, the more these attitudes, kindness, compassion, forbearance, are needed because that's when we're affected by their weaknesses and their sins. What happens? People get married. They thought they knew each other, but the closer they get to each other the more then they start seeing their weaknesses, they start seeing their sins, and that's when they need compassion and forbearance and kindness and the commitment to love. You know what happens in Christianity? We serve. If it doesn't go the way we want, we recoil. When we ought to be, serving, and it doesn't go the way we want, but the way God wants, and we continue serving, and we grow in forbearance, and we grow in compassion, and we grow in gentleness. Why? Because Christ is in us, and he's producing those things. And you say, that's just not me. I know that. It's not me either. But we would see Jesus. How are they going to see Jesus? Oh, wow, look at they drive to Grace Baptist Church every Sunday. That's not seeing Jesus. It's when you're done wrong and, and you don't become angry and bitter about it and you overcome evil with good and you involve yourselves in that person's life with compassion and kindness. That's not normal. That's Jesus. Man, I I want friends that are involved in my life that see things my way and affirm me and help me. This sounds to me like, man, I'm just going to be a slave to other people's agendas. No. Christian love does not make us a slave to other people's agendas. It makes us a slave to Christ's agenda. You're going to be a slave to something. You're either a slave to self, a slave to others, or a slave to Christ. And Christ was willing to serve others. And this fourth point is a willingness to serve. There are times when our allegiance to Christ means that it is the loving and right thing to do is to say no to other people's requests. They request something, and your allegiance to Christ will will be to say no. Our allegiance to Christ takes preeminence, and it may not be the best thing for you to just do whatever they ask. But we're still involved in other people's lives. Whose lives are you involved in? Who are you reaching out to? The closer we are to one another, the more involved we are in other people's lives, the more our hearts will be revealed. 
Christ lives in us to rescue us from ourselves so that we can be loving and gracious to one another even though we are sinners. Christ, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God loved us so we ought also to love one another. But I can't do that. Unless Christ rules in my life. Our Christianity is worthless if it does not shape our daily life and relationships. If it doesn't affect how I deal with other people, if it doesn't affect how my life touches others, it's worthless. What good does it do to... to dress it up and put it on exhibit on a Sunday morning. It doesn't do any good. There is nothing more practical. There is nothing that gets down to the nitty-gritty of life more than genuine Christianity. When Christ is ruling in our hearts, when we are willing and ready and more than able to snap back at someone, the Spirit of God says, no, overcome evil with good. The Spirit of God says, even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, is counted wise. And you say, okay. And God's Spirit rules in our hearts, and we respond differently. Our Christianity is worthless if it does not shape our daily life and relationships. So we ask these four questions again. When did you last ask forgiveness what was the last offense that came into your life that you gave up to God and were willing to forgive thirdly how do you view others with grace or with judgment Number four, who is God leading you to serve, and what is he producing in your life? What is he producing in your heart? He's trying to, why did God lead this irritable person, this crazy person into my life? Because God's trying to teach you compassion or forbearance or genuine love. I'm I'm not going to get anything out of this relationship. Well, God's trying to teach you love. Love is giving. How do we view others? Do we obey the Spirit of God and go to them? We serve others out of a heart of compassion. Who is there God has put in your life that maybe you've been reacting to? Who is it God has put in your life? And how are you viewing them, with grace or with judgment? Where is it you need to today go to someone and say, You know what? God's Spirit has convicted me. I, I was wrong in this. I understand that this has been an offense to you, and I am asking your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? 
Where is it today? Undoubtedly, there are people today that are carrying weights and bitternesses that you need to come and you just need to leave it to the Lord and say, God, that has troubled my life. That has been some a source of irritation in my life. And I, I am leaving that to you. And I want you to make a pearl out of this for your glory. If you don't do it, if you continue to carry this, God will continue to bring sources of irritation into your life because he's trying to teach something in your life right here. And God will allow sources of irritation to come into your life along the same line. You, there, there are individuals that they're bitter. Let's just, for example, they're bitter at their father. You know what? They go out. I can't wait till I can get out of the house and get a job on my own. And they go and they get a job. And you know what? Lo and behold, their boss has all these characteristics of their father. Why? Because this was the lesson. God wanted to produce some things. You don't want to learn? We're going to go to remedial. We're at not remedial 101. We're at about remedial 909. And we need to learn and say, God, whatever you want to teach me, I am leaving this to you. I am not going to carry this bitterness because you are now ruling my heart. And I am trusting you. Our Christianity is useless if it doesn't shape our daily life and relationships. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make personal in our hearts these truths today. Lord, for individuals that need to go and seek forgiveness, I pray today they would know your grace to that end. Lord, I pray today for individuals that are carrying bitterness Lord, I would ask today that they would know the liberty and the freedom by committing it to you. Lord, some maybe have been asked, will you forgive me? But they've, they've never been willing to forgive. Lord, I pray today they would know the joy of forgiveness and trusting you. Lord, I pray that our attitude toward other people would change from critical and negative and that it truly would become gracious and merciful. Lord, I pray that we would see who you desire and and really are pushing us into others' lives to serve. And Lord, that we would serve with a heart that manifest your character. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I am a follower of Christ. And God's Spirit has convicted me this morning of steps of action that I need to take. I wish you would remember me in prayer that I would be obedient to His Spirit's leading. Would you just slip up your hands that we could remember you in prayer? Amen. Amen.
you're here today and you say, you know, you began by saying, if Christ is in us, if we have trusted Christ, he will make a difference in our life. He will give us a new heart. You're here today and you'd say, I am not sure I have a new heart. And I wish you'd remember me in prayer that I would settle that, that I would know Christ as my personal Savior. If you're here today and say, I am not sure I have a new heart, I wish you'd pray for me. Would you just slip up your hand that we could pray for you here today? Lord, I thank you for your spirit that so graciously and quietly and persistently works in our hearts. And I pray for these that you have already challenged about a specific step of action. Lord, I pray that they would know your grace in a personal manner and that they would know the joy that comes by obeying the steps that you call us to take. Lord, I pray for others that right this moment are struggling with the step that your spirit is asking them to take. Lord, I pray that they would say yes to you and that you would be glorified through our obedience. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask